are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on August 10th of 2021. Got a, uh, We're going to bring back the division breakdown this week, hit on some uh, potential key matchups, and then instead of players of the week, we're gonna, since we haven't done it in a while, we're going to go to players of the month. Um, but before we jump into all that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, had a good weekend. I actually went down to the... Uh to the Gulf Coast, the Dolphin Island, Alabama, uh, over the past uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Did a little fishing and uh, a little riding out in the boat. It was a lot of fun. I, I got a lot of sun, uh, a few fishing injuries. <laughs> got stuck by a catfish pretty good. So that wasn't fun. Caught, caught a bunch of sharks, some king mackerel. It was, it was a good time. So I always always enjoy going down there. But, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, back to back home and working this week. And uh, it's Watching some baseball, man. It's getting we're getting out of the nitty nitty gritty time here, so it's been been a lot of fun the last couple of days. Yeah, we're just under I think fifty games left in the season, pretty much. So it's yeah, uh or a, or a full season last year. So yeah, pretty much. However, Rob Manfred wants it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Speaking of that, before we jump into all of else, what's up? I mean, I know I sent it to you, but he wants to expand the playoffs to fourteen teams now. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't like it. I guess it's no. better than the sixteen from last year. But, um, I mean, there has to be incentive for the good teams to be really good. And right. I don't like the I don't like how they had it last year. I got it for last year because of the shortened season. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't like how – because, I mean, last year the Reds were obviously a playoff team that got off to a slow start. And in a 60-game season, you can't get off to a slow start. Mm-hmm. But they would have been there at the end in a 162-game season. I, it's just one of those things like, you know, you look at – um, you look at these teams as, I, 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 like this year, I don't know who the seventh team would be this year, but you know, in the NL, I guess it would probably be the, I guess it would be the Reds, and I mean the Reds are pretty uh, good. But I think it would probably be the Padres. It'd be the Padres. Because what I was thinking is they'd probably do top two from each division, and yeah. then the best record yeah. after that. Well, I mean, then then the, then the Braves or the Phillies, whoever. I mean. The, the NL East doesn't reserve two teams. So right. you've got the Braves, the Phillies, whoever ends up second in that division, or the Mets, one of the three is going to end up second in that division. They would be getting in and probably won't have more than 83, 84, 85 wins. So right. over teams that, you know, and, and then they'll have an equal shot under the last year's rules. At least they would have had an equal shot to, you know, like the Dodgers and the Giants and these teams that have won tons of games this year. So I definitely think um, – I definitely look at this as a situation where it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't especially love the way that, um, the way that that would be structured. I, I think the 12 teams is good because it's not easy to win. It's not easy to make the playoffs, but it's, you know, you get enough teams in there where there's enough teams going for it. You saw this year where you had like the Cardinals buying at the deadline you know, they didn't buy too much, but they bought a little bit, knowing that they were around 500. You had the Braves, and I believe the Phillies were still below 500 at the deadline. Both of those teams buying at, at a 500 or below record. So, you know, it's a situation where you, you've got enough teams in it to where a lot of teams are, you know, believing, um, you know, believe in it. But you also have a lot of teams that, you know, um, it's not it's not just easy to make the playoffs. If, if you end up with half or more teams making the playoffs, it's just 
there's no reason to play the regular season at that point. Like teams that are rebuilding are not going to make it, and then the teams that have you know th that are average are going to make it. So it's like I don't think that's cool. But uh, I think the current setup is really good. There's incentive to win your division. You know, but if you end up at the team that's, you know, like like one of the NL West teams this year, probably going to have, a, you know, 97 or 98 wins and not win their division. They still get in because they're one of the top teams. But they also, you know, since they didn't win the division, are going to end up having to to face off with the, uh, you know, to face off with a uh, with another wild card team. That's, that's a good playoff team. So I think the way they have it right now is, is, is the right way to do it. Yeah, I just – I, I don't understand what their whole method of what they want to go for is. It's just, I mean, we'll have to have to know what the more format of it is. That was just kind of a, a bold, bland statement out there that he wants to make 14. But uh, definitely we'll have to see if that comes true, what it actually looks like the format wise. Yeah. But, so um, it's definitely, definitely something. And I mean, 10 teams, I think, like, like I said, 10 teams is perfect. Yeah, I think, I think 10. I think, I, I mean, I like the way it happens now. If only only thing I could change, I wish the wild card series was probably like an actual like three game series and not just a, a winner take all type yeah, game. I, I do agree with that because right now you've got a situation where like, you know, say a team like the Mets and the Mets, I don't think are going to win the wild card because I think they're really only shot is winning the division after making the playoffs. Right. But say they made the wild card, they'd have to grab pitching like the Mets aren't a very good team but they could possibly knock out the Giants or the Dodgers or the Padres, whoever's mm -hmm. in it with just because they have their one really good pitcher throwing. And right. yeah, I mean, it's one of those deals where I think you need to at least be able to, at least have to have a little bit of depth to win that wild card series. But, um, you know, that's part of the punishment for not winning your division. I mean, like yeah. I say, that's the NL West is going to be really exciting the rest of the year because these teams, we know that they're going to want to try to win that division. So you could end up having a team like the Dodgers, you know, winning 96, 97, 98 games with the roster that they have. And they could end up not winning the, not winning the division to be in one and out in the postseason with, oh. with a, you know, having to go against like a, the Padres who would be throwing like maybe you Darvish or, or uh, Joe Musgrove or somebody really good. So, um, you know, that's one of that's just the situation that, you know, if, if you're a team, you have to go after that division win because, you know, you don't want to end up getting stuck in that wild card game or that one game. Anything can happen. We've seen it so many times. You know, one of the bigger upsets I can remember was back in uh, back in maybe maybe 2015 when when the Astros beat that Yankees team in the, in the wild card game and uh, behind Dallas Keuchel. And you saw that, you know, it was one of those things where that it was everyone kind of expected the Yankees to win. But. You know, the Astros had their guy on that one night and were able to do it, you know, go on and play in the next series. So it's definitely a, definitely an interesting idea, but I, I'd, I'd like to leave, keep it at 10. Or, or if you did expand, if you expanded uh, to, you know, added two teams uh, to, to, to the Major League Baseball, made it 32 teams, then I would be okay with going to 12 teams. You know, if you add a couple of expansion teams. But at, at the current current stage where we're at i think 10 teams is perfect yeah 10 teams for this stage is, is just fine with me but let's jump into to the breakdown that we're going to go to let's start in the al east um last time we did a breakdown we kind of talked to you guys boston was really leading this division and kind of pulling away with it a little bit and now it's kind of flip-flopping tampa bay's leading this division by four games over boston 
Yeah, so uh, this is some interesting, uh, an interesting division, and and this is another situation like I was just talking about where, you know, you really want to win this division because, for for one thing, um, it's no guarantee that the second place team in this division is going to make the playoffs because you do have the A's sitting there with a 64 and 48 record right now, um, you know, so they would currently be the number two wild card, um, so. You know, there, there's going to be a battle for that wild card spot, that, that second wild card spot for sure there. But, um, I mean, the Rays are just kind of being the Rays. They're winning games. They're playing fantastic defense. They're pitching well, doing kind of the same things that they've done for the last couple of years that took them to the World Series last year. Um, they're a very, very solid team. Um, there's not too many things we could say about them. They're just going to get – they're going to keep improving too because they've got a couple of really young guys – the big one being Wander Franco, who, I mean, he's just gonna he's just gonna keep adjusting to the big leagues and just keep getting better. Yeah, and it's really weird. Like, I know we talked about it last week, but like they're a team that kind of like bought but then sold at the same time. Like they traded away Rich Hill, they traded away Diego Castillo, um, but then you bring in Nelson Cruz, and I think they brought in one more. Or am I wrong? Yeah, they did. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was it was a reliever they brought in another reliever and um well yeah know, and they, then they had traded willie domus earlier in the year yeah. even and then they got two of their kind of top relievers at the current moment uh for willie domus who you know willie domus has been really good for the brewers but um you know he was kind of blocking water franco and, right. and the Rays wanted Ronald Wander Franco to come up, come up, and Taylor Walls, and you know they also have Bruhan that's been up some. Like this is a team that with that youth is just going to get better, um, and they've got great pieces, guys with fantastic stuff on the mound. Um, this is a team that I think uh, I think there was a little bit of disappointment at the deadline because I think they did try to go out and get a Chris Bryant um, or, or one of those you know big rentals at the deadline, but. You know, I think that they're content where they're at. And, I mean, this is a team, the defending American League champion right here, you know, and they're leading the division. And, you know, a lot of people kind of wrote them off for the season after losing Charlie Morton and losing some of their uh, – a couple of their bats. And then, you know, you get midway through the season, teams writing them off because, you know, the Red Sox are up there. The Blue Jays made all these moves in the offseason. The Yankees are buying and they're coming back. The Rays have just steadily been the best team in this division all year. Um, and, 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 the, and no offense to the Red Sox because they've been good too. But um, but I do I do like the Red Sox in second. They're about to get Chris Sell back, it sounds like, at, at what level, we don't know. But it sounds like he is going to come back soon. So that's very good news for the Red Sox. Yeah, and one the other thing on Tampa Bay, they're also doing this without Tyler Glass now. I mean, we I think we forget that a little bit. They, yeah. I mean, he was pitching at an ace-type level, and they're, they're doing – you know, this well still without him. And, and he actually um, underwent or is going to undergo Tommy John. So he's going to miss yeah. the whole, uh, the rest of the season and the whole, the year, yeah. I think they even said miss all of 2022 yeah. most likely. Yeah. I think his timetable, you know, on a typical Tommy John, he would possibly come back like in September next year, maybe as a reliever yeah. type thing, but unlikely just depending on where the Rays are at. Uh, especially you know, with John's his injury a, history. Yeah. And Tommy John's just such a, you know, it's just such a random injury for guys like some of them come back stronger than ever. Some of them come back just 
kind of a shell of themselves. A shell of themselves. And some yeah. of them come back really quick, no problems. Some of them, you know, take an extra year. I mean, you just never know with Tommy John, and that's Everything. kind of the reason that, that, that they're with the riskiness of it. But, uh, but anyways, in this division, also hot on the tail of the Rays and Red Sox, the Yankees have played extremely well since the trade deadline. They went out and got a couple of big time players. Uh, Joey Gallo being the, the big one. They also got a. They also went out and got uh, from the Cubs. Um, Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo, who's played really really well. Uh, they've been they've been eight and two in their last ten games. So they picked up I believe six games on the Red Sox in their last uh, in their last ten games, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and you look at the Blue Jays too. I mean the Blue Jays aren't they're they're seven and a half out of the first place, but. You know, they've won seven of their last ten. They're sitting there nine games over 500, and they're a threat as well. And this is a team that it's felt all year like you've wondered how they're not better than they are because their starting pitching has been better than expected. You know, Robbie Ray's been really good compared to expectations this year. You look at, uh, you know, Hinjin Ryu's been good. I mean, you've got some good pitchers there, and then you, that lineup is just nasty. So – you wonder how they haven't been that great, and they're finally starting to put it together a little bit. Might be a little bit of sequencing, and then uh, the cool. poor Orioles. Not that, the, not that the Orioles are good, but I mean the fact that they're in this division just makes them right. <laughs> thirty-eight seventy-two. Man, I, I think uh, I looked up and you know the Braves AAA team. They have a couple guys on, on rehab assignments uh, t- tonight. I think the Braves AAA team is better than the Orioles team tonight. So. Um, I mean, it's been one of those situations for the Orioles this year. Nothing's really gone right for them. The, the one thing that has gone right has been Cedric Mullins, and he's he's honestly, honestly been like a legitimate MVP candidate type player. Not that he's going to win it, mainly because he's on the Orioles, and there's a couple other really deserving players, but uh, he's been so good, and it, it's fun to watch him. So yeah, so back j- jumping back to to uh, through, pretty much through this whole division since you ran down the names real quick. Um, Boston, I mean, they've been really good, but they're also, I mean, we, Kyle Schwarber, who they traded for at the deadline, had another setback um, from his hamstring injury with a groin injury. Um, so they're looking at a little farther along from whenever he comes back. Um, and I guess the plan is for them to play him at first base. Uh, the Yankees, like you said, they've been hot on the on the tail of them, of the Red Sox, and pretty much this division lately. Um, I think Rizzo got on put on the COVID list. Um, even yes, though he he's fully he vaccinated. Positive. Yeah, I think he's fully vaccinated, so he should be able – I don't think he's going to miss the full two two weeks. I think it's only like 10 days if he can test negative or something. I'm not 100% sure about um, Rizzo because I think there was – I think I remembered something about him making a big deal out of the vaccine or – I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, but, I don't remember. Anyways. Um, yeah, I know that he, he tested positive, so – yeah, I, I know he tested positive. I just don't know what his timeline is exactly. Um, but they're only two games out of the wild card now. Okay. So, like you said, that that you know, he, Oakland's sitting right there, you know, second team in the wild card. But they got to look for the Yankees right on their tail. Um, another thing with this with the Blue Jays run, you were saying a little bit of sequencing, and they've kind of turned it on lately. It's kind of synced up with when they got George Springer back. Um, when he finally got into that lineup, it seems like it took another little step to that team, and they they just got that little extra gear in them. You know, they they have had some people that aren't performing quite up to what they would expect or hope, 
but um, you know, even their deadline or their acquisition of Brad Hand at the deadline hasn't been great for them so far. But this whole run's kind of lined up when George Springer actually came back off the IL for the you know for the final time so far. Yeah, and you talk about George Springer, and he's a guy who this year a, a two eighty six average, three seventy on base, six twenty seven slugging in just uh, in just uh, forty three games. So this is a guy who's been an impact player this year, and and for his career he's been so good. Twenty nineteen he was insane, you know, big part of Houston's championship run, um, you know, and, and he plays good defense too in, in the outfield. So. Uh, you definitely are, have to be excited as a uh, as a Blue Jays fan to get George Springer back in your lineup, have him healthy, because he's just the type of player that is he's an impact player. Oh well, yeah, and, and you add another impact player to Guerrero Jr., who is my MVP so far. Yep. Um, and you add it and, and to Bobachet, Teoscar Hernandez, and all these guys, and you know you just gotta. That lineup is just absolutely insane. Marcus Simeon. I mean, I mean they, just, they just got pieces everywhere. Yeah, and, and you mentioned his season numbers, but even if you look at his last month numbers, they've been even more insane. Oh, yeah. He's got a 337 average, a 1.11 or 1.149 OPS with nine homers, 26 runs, and 22 RBIs in 96 at bats. Like, yeah. his season numbers look good, but then if you look at that last month, kind of when this run really started happening for the blue jays and you could see that george bringer's been a big focal point of that so it, it i think the blue jays they could be a sneaky team to sneak into that wild card because there are only three and a half games back they do have to jump a couple teams um you know like the yankees and the a's and they're gonna be battling within that division but uh i i wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if the blue jays kept up a little bit of a run and snuck their way into a wild card somehow yeah, no doubt. And uh, according to Fangraphs, just looking at the AL East, the, they have that playoff odds that takes into account the projections of, of their of the teams the rest of the season and and strength, using strength of schedule as part of that. And uh, the Blue Jays are uh, they have the second easiest strength of schedule in that division coming through the end of the season. The Yankees have the most difficult, and the Blue Jays' playoff percentage is up. Uh, the, the chance to make the playoffs is up to over 40% now where it had been pretty low, you know, before recently. Uh, the Rays are at 85%, the Red Sox at 72%, the Yankees at 54%. So uh, definitely interesting stuff. That's going to be a wild division to watch to the end, not only for, for the winning of the division, which I think is not going to be a four-game difference. I think it's going to be closer than that. Uh, but also all four of those teams are potential wild-card teams. So, Definitely an interesting, uh, interesting finish to the season there in the AL East. But uh, let's move on. Um, we probably won't talk very as much, quite as long about the AL Central because uh, I'm pretty sure, um, although mean, Bob Nightingale might have jinxed them, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we know who's going to win that division. You mean the the team with the ten and a half game lead in the division? We don't want to talk about that one as much. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, that division is already pretty well wrapped up. It's the yeah. Chicago White Sox, man. They, I, I, they have done it in a different way than I expect them to do it this year. You know, they've done it with just elite starting pitching, and the fact that Lucas Giolito has been their third best pitcher. Yeah. Is, I mean, and Lucas Giolito has been pretty good. He hadn't been great this year, but I mean, you look at what Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon have done. 
is just absolutely insane, especially Rodon. This is a guy who was left for dead. So Well, this was a guy that the White Sox almost didn't even re-sign this offseason. And yeah, and nobody wanted him really yet in the market. And he kind of convinced the White Sox to give him one more chance um, to prove that, you know, he had dealt with a lot of injury issues before, but just to prove that he could pitch in the major leagues and then now look at him and he's probably going to get a, a pretty sizable contract um, and from it. And like you said, it's different than what we thought. We thought this was going to be a team that just went out there and kind of out hit everybody. Um, you know, they have missed Eloy Jimenez for most of the season. And, and then Luis Robert went out for most of the season. Um, and then Grandall's not what they expected Grandall to be this year. And he's been out even lately with his injuries. But uh, definitely this team is, is somebody that we expected to do it with, with their offense. And they've been doing it with their pitching staff more. And then they just went out there and, you know, got Craig Kimbrell and Tapera. And then to put that with Crochet and... You know, Kopech and Hendricks and that bullpen is just, bummer. just oh, bummer. Even I forget about bummer. He that's just a disgusting, disgusting pitching staff. Yeah, I think that this White Sox team right now, to me, looks like the most complete team in in the in the American League. I think they're really balanced. They've got a good balance of their their pitchers are their starting pitchers are really good. Their bullpen is really good, and then I think their lineup is a good balance between you know guys who are just going to hit for power and guys who make. Who, who make a lot of contact. I think, you know, you got guys like Jose Abreu who are all around hitters, you know, make a lot of contact. Uh, then you got a couple guys who are going to sell out for power. Uh, like, you know, look at uh, Luis Roberts, a guy that's going to do that. Uh, Grandal, when he's healthy, is, is a power, is a really an own base and power guy. He's not going to hit for high average, but, uh, you know, you got guys like Andrew Vaughn coming along. He's been really, really, really good recently. Tim Anderson's a great all around hitter. Um, you know, Moncada is a guy that's going to hit for a lot of power. <coughs> you've got a you've got a really good balance to me. <coughs> excuse me of um of of power, speed, contact, and, and then your pitching. And you know, like I say, I mean, you're, you've got lefties in the bullpen. You've got righties in the bullpen. You've got a starting rotation with both lefties and righties who 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 pitch who are really good. Um, and you've got a big three in that rotation and. And it's something too. You look at the postseason um, as as a team that you know it's going to be hard to beat this team in a five game series because you're going to get three starts out of out of Rodon and Cope and uh, and uh, Giolito and uh, and Lynn, and then you're also going to have like a Dylan Cease who could be that fourth guy who's pitched really well for a lot of this year. So this is a team that I really am impressed very impressed by this team right now and i i would probably consider them my favorite in the american league at this point yeah i mean that they are a team that i i very much like then uh i think they match up well against pretty much anybody um especially a team like boston that that kind of does it with their hitting more than their pitching this is a team that they could you know they can really neutralize that yeah but uh yeah and and like i say i think that i think the white Sox might have the best pitching staff and or pitching rotation and bullpen in the American league. And they're not far off from having the best lineup in the American league either, but um, yeah. we'll see what happens with them. You know, they still got a, uh, you know, they got to get some of these guys back in the swing of things. Eloy looks like he's picked up right where he left off last year, but you know, Luis Robert is, is a guy who, you know, they'd like to get him going. Um, you know, I think this is a team that definitely still has some, 
still had some guys they need to get going and, and, and get Grandall back. And But I, I love what I've seen from the White Sox. Um, but you look at a couple other teams in this division just to kind of mention them. Uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, they're still at 500. Um, they've been a somewhat interesting team. The injuries have really decimated their pitching staff and underperformance compared to last year uh, for some guys too, like, like a – uh, like a Plesac or a Savali, uh, you look at Shane Bieber, like these haven't been the same guys last year. And obviously Bieber being hurt a lot of the years has hurt them a lot. But uh, how about the Tigers? They, you know, they're only six games under 500, which, you know, it's not good. But for the, what you expected from the Tigers, that's not terrible. So Yeah, I think everybody expected the Tigers to be in the basement of this division, myself including. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's very minor news, but they did re-sign Jonathan Scope to a two-year extension um, as well this past week. So leaves another guy that has been pretty solid for them all around and a, a decent veteran for those young guys to kind of be with. Um, but they've, they've really impressed me. And then when you look at Kansas City, they're down there. They're 18 games back. I, they finally, I think, are finally hitting the full reset button. Um and I think it's going to be good for them. You will see Bobby Witt pretty up soon. They're starting to let their young pitchers get some innings. Um, I think they're still going to be a ways off, but I think it's finally time that they're hitting the, the kind of reset button for themselves. Yeah, the Royals going forward. I, I was real disappointed in them at the trade deadline for not moving Witt Merrifield for what yeah. they could get. The guy who's already uh, you know, really showed. He's got his skill set, but never won all that well and it's starting to look like he's aging a little bit with that skill set and uh even though he's still a pretty good player they could have gotten something for him and um for a team that they, you know they moved jorge soler and he's been killing it in atlanta so far they moved danny duffy They're, they really have sold at the deadline trying to pick up as many pieces as they could you look at the twins and you know i don't think anybody really expected to be talking about them at the basement of this division at this point in the season uh, but you know, they just been, they've been a disaster. Everything's gone wrong for them, and they just moved Barrios. There was a, so much talk about them moving Buxton at the deadline, uh, even though they didn't get it done. I, I kind of expect them to move him in the off season. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you know they just they moved uh, they moved they 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 really just haven't been good. They, they've been bad. I, I think they're going to have to hit that reset button as well. Um, they just. You know, they had a couple good years with this current core, but it just didn't hold up well enough to, to get them to the next level. And they had a lot of guys who, you know, were kind of coming up through the ranks that didn't quite turn out to be what they hoped. You know, like, like Miguel Sano came up as a top five overall prospect, and he's been okay. He's been a legit major leaguer, but he hasn't been kind of what they expected him to be. Um, you know, and, and some guys like that. They've had some guys that underperform, like Max Kepler maybe. Um They've lost a couple guys to free agency. Look at Eddie Rosario they lost. And, you know, losing Trevor May, who one of their top relievers to free agency, hurt them as well. Um, this is just a team that, you know, they had a couple years where they had some guys overperform, you know, but they are at the point where they pretty much had to had to move on. And I think they'll probably move a couple more guys going into the offseason. And I don't know if they'll have to do a full-on rebuild because they still do have some interesting players. But – a uh, retool is, is a definite. Maybe another, maybe a year of another year of them not being very good before they can kind of come back and see what they can do again. But um, definitely a, a disappointing year for them. But yeah, this division is just all, all about the White Sox right now. So 
Yeah. Well, let's jump over to the American League West, where Houston is leading this division still, uh, but Oakland's not too far back at only two games. Yeah, so I look at this division, and Houston has a an incredible offense. Um, you know, a lot of their guys that struggled last year in the short season have come back to being themselves. Guys like, like Jose Altuve, um, you know, Yuli Gurriel, although I believe he's banged up right now, yeah. uh, is having a career year. Um, you know, they've got good contributions from Michael Brantley, who's been really solid. Kyle Tucker has, has stepped up and played well in the outfield uh, after losing Springer. Um, and then their pitching has, their starting pitching has been pretty solid for compared to what we kind of expected coming in. Uh, you know, Garcia and their rotation has been a very pleasant surprise for them. Uh, their bullpen's been okay. They obviously added to their bullpen with Kendall Graveman at the deadline. Uh, you know, I think this is a fairly weak division. Um, I know there's four teams above 500 here, but I don't especially believe in all four of those teams as, as really good teams. Um, you know, I think uh, you look at the A's as a team that wins a lot of close games, doing kind of the same thing they've been doing for the last few years. They win a lot of close games, uh, and they kind of do it off of fundamentals and, you know, pitching and playing really good defense. I mean, they lost uh, Loriano for a while, which is a pretty big deal for them. Uh, that, that, hurt, that hurts them pretty big. He was having a great year. Uh, the Mariners you look at as a team that has overperformed all year. They're actually finally starting to get some some help from you know guys like Kellenic playing better, uh, starting to figure it out a little bit at the big league level, which has been big for them. Uh, and the Mariners also still have a great farm system too. They got some really good players coming up, and uh, you know kind of what could have been for the Angels. I mean, if they had their pitchers perform at the same level as they did last year, and had stayed healthy on the offensive side, the Angels could have easily in the, the team here but they've had injury issues all year and you know some dips in performance from guys that were really good last year so that, that's hurt them a lot uh, but uh, and then the Rangers are kind of in the same shape as the, the Orioles they're just not good so yeah if you look at Houston I, th- I the one thing I did find kind of fascinating is that you know obviously you want to beat the teams under 500 and you want to you know those are the teams you you should beat they're 49 and 29 against those teams. So if you look at their record, that makes them 17 and 17 against winning teams. So they're they're a 500 ball club against winning teams this year. Um, so that's that's a little thing that I don't know. It's hard to really break down what that means for the Astros, but I do think that it's a little interesting that. You know, when it, when you're facing the best teams and you expect the Astros to be one of the best teams, and I know their pitching staff has really struggled, um, you would expect a team like that to be a little bit better in those situations. Uh, Oakland, they one thing that they do have that happened this past week is Ramon Laureano, their center fielder, um, got suspended 80 games for PEDs, which makes the Starling Marte trade at the deadline even bigger now. Um, we'll talk, actually, not really, because... We didn't pick him, but Marte over the past month has led baseball in war. Um, you know, he's batted 435 over the past month, a 489 on base percentage, you know, 18 runs, 13 RBIs, 13 stolen bases the past month. So that's a big pickup for the A's, especially losing Loriano. Uh, that will help make, you know, continue this run at, at Houston. 
Seattle, I think I always felt they were a team that wasn't going to really compete this year, but they've got some really good contributions from, like you said, um, their, their younger guys are starting to play better lately. Kellenic, I think Logan Gilbert's even been pretty solid. Toro, since they traded for Toro, he's been, I think he's batting over like 380 um, this year. Ty France has been another really under the radar guy for him this year, having a, a pretty good season. So with those guys developing, they're they're pretty dang close. And I think, like you said, they still have a great farm system that they could make some bigger trades. Um, this offseason with Jerry DePoto, where we know likes to be active and maybe make a push for, uh, you know, for maybe a wild card spot next year. Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, Julio Rodriguez and that farm system still is one of yeah. the top prospects in all of baseball. And, and they kind um, of have a couple of nice pitchers, too, with George yeah, Kirby and Emerson Hancock. Yeah, Noel V. Marte. Yeah, um, as a shortstop. Yeah, so they got they got some really nice looking really nice looking guys in that farm system too so uh good for the mariners it, it'd be nice to see them they haven't been in the postseason in like 15 like almost 20 years i don't th- i think yeah, i think it was like 2001 or 2002 or something 2002 maybe was the last time so um you know it's been so long for them and uh you know you hate to see uh you hate to see a franchise struggle for that long and uh it's not like they haven't tried either i mean they've you know gone out and made big splashes before they signed uh Robinson Cano was one of the biggest free agent signings in the last 20 years. And they signed him. And, uh, you know, they just never have gotten over the hump. They've had a few really good seasons, but they just haven't quite gotten it done. And uh, so, uh, but the Mariners, I mean, 59-54, it, it's going to be a successful season for them regardless of where they end up. But, you know, they're just, I don't think they can quite catch the Astros and A's here uh, in the ALS. But uh, moving on, um, you know, let's look at the, this is probably the most, I think this is, might be the worst division maybe not if you look at depth wise it's better than the al central and probably the nl central but you know there's no real top team here in this division there's three teams that are really close together and i think the winner is going to be like an 85 86 win team most likely and that's the uh, nl east and you've got the, the phillies have taken control uh, they actually have won i believe eight in a row uh yeah. coming into the night they're in rain delay tonight right now. So, um, although they're they're playing their toughest stretch of the year, starting to, or their toughest games of the year starting tonight against the Dodgers, um, you know they they've won like eight in a row and they've taken control. The Mets have been absolutely atrocious recently. Um, they've dropped something like five in a row and eight and eight of their last ten, and they have fallen into third place as the Braves finally beat that one. You know that five hundred curse they had had going. Uh, and that 500, that 500 curse was a was a struggle for them. They were, they they would get to you know one game below 500 and then lose two or three in a row, and then they get back and then lose two or three in a row. And uh, after the All Star break, they, there were something like 16 games in a row they didn't have consecutive, they didn't have a streak. They they either won won one game, lose one game, one one game, lose one game. It was some kind of crazy like I think it was 16 games in a row, and then they finally broke through with a four game winning streak and. Uh, got themselves back into the back into contention here so you got three teams within three games in this division all three with major flaws but all three with some really good upside too so uh this is going to be a really interesting division coming down the stretch probably the most entertaining division to watch although i don't think any of these teams are really going to make it far in the postseason um you could see maybe one of them beating the brewers uh you know, in the in an LDS situation, but I don't think there's really World Series threats. 
Well, we kind of, I mean, we all expected the NLEs to be a dogfight this year. Um, I think we might have expected them to be a little bit better than, you know, what the records actually say. But the, we did warn earlier, right, you know, when we were doing our division breakdowns early in the season or even preseason, that nobody in this division was going to run away with it and it was going to be a tight division. And the records might not look like what you think they are because at least three to four of these teams we knew were going to be in contention, um, you know, late in the season, you know, barring what we, we didn't think the Nationals would sell everything off like they did. But we knew that the Phillies, we knew that the Braves, we knew that the Mets would all kind of beat up on each other and kind of keep the records close. Um, I think it's closer than what we thought, you know, with, with Atlanta two games back and then the Mets two and a half back of the division lead. So, you know, you get top three within two and a half games. But like you said, the Mets have really struggled. Um, DeGrom is out, and it does they don't quite know when he's going to come back. They did get Carlos Carrasco back, who's been pretty solid since he did. Um, Javier Baez, he got a little banged up now, um, but I don't. it doesn't sound like a big issue. Lindor should be coming back soon. But it's just this team has dealt with a lot of injuries, and especially, like you said, they aren't a great team. And losing a guy like DeGrom, who was basically a guaranteed win for them every single day, um, that's a big hurt to them. The Braves, a team we expected even at the division at the not division at the deadline, you know, there was real talk that we thought they might even be sellers at one point. Uh, and then you know they bought a little bit with getting Rodriguez. Um, and who's the other one? They got somebody else. They got out of the deadline. Oh, Solaire Duval. Solaire Eddie Rosario Duval. on a rehab assignment. Duval, Rich Rod- Richard Rodriguez, and. Jock Peterson, right. a couple weeks before the deadline. So. so we, the, you know, they bought a little bit, kind of remade that outfield, especially after losing Ronald Acuna, and you know they've been seven and three over the last ten. They've they've been really, you know, making their way back up this division. And then you look at the Phillies, and although I don't think they're going to have a deep run because I, that bullpen is still really bad, they did buy and you got Kyle Gibson, you got Ian Kennedy in there, but and. Nola's looked better as of late. He's been had a, a really, really down season, but we were talking before the show a little bit. And, you know, his past three to four starts, he's actually started looking like the Aaron Nola we really know. Um, Zach Wheeler, who we'll talk about a little bit more later on, he's looking like a Cy Young favorite at this point. Him or Walker Bueller. Bryce Harper has had an insane month this year, uh, or this, this year, an insane month. That's kind of taken over. You know, he's batted 351, a 495 on base percentage. You know, was second in baseball in war this uh, this past month. Um, he he's just been absolutely looking like MVP Bryce Harper. Um, and then JT Realmuto's even been solid. This team is, I think they've taken a step up, but I still don't trust that bullpen enough to get into a a, a good playoff run. Yeah. It- I mean, you look at all three of those teams, and I think that the biggest difference between the three right now has been the Phillies are the healthiest out of all of them. I mean, the Mets, you lose to Grom. That's, you, you expected to get Cindergaard back at some point this year. He never came back. He's dealt with his injuries still. And, you know, you've got Stroman. Tywin Walker's really overperformed some, and he's not as – I don't think he's quite as good as – his performance was and he's kind of showed that recently Carrasco is I don't know I mean he's I mean he gave up three runs in the first inning tonight 
he's just not quite what he was, you know, at one time with the, with Cleveland. Um, and then you you know you've also got like like Francisco Lindor who's who's injured uh, and and but but has struggled most of the year anyways. So it's one of those situations where you've got a team that you know the with the Mets. So many guys have missed time, but, you know, you don't really have a superstar there. I know they want to make you think Pete Alonso is, but he's also a guy who really struggles to make contact and is, you know, pretty bad defensively, even though he does hit home runs. I mean, the Braves have lost uh, Ozuna, Ronald Acuna Jr. They're two top hitters from last year outside of Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, that's just such a huge blow. They've lost pitchers all year. They've, you know, they've had Ian Anderson's been out. Uh, Huskar Inoa, who looked so good at the start of the year, has been out for, for a while. Uh, Travis Darnot has been out for most of the season. He's actually coming back tomorrow, which should help them. Um, and then, you know, the Phillies kind of been the healthiest. They've missed Bryce Harper at times, but other than Bryce Harper, they've really stayed pretty healthy for the most part. I mean, they've had guys go down with, you know, little nagging things at times, but JT Romuto has been around all year. Uh, Reese Hoskins has been around all year. You know, McCutcheon's been around most of the year. It, it's one of those things where the Phillies have been probably the healthiest team here. Um, but it's going to be a really interesting division down the down the chase because I think all three of these teams are, are pretty pretty even. Uh, I think momentum wise and injury wise, the Mets are kind of getting close to being out of it. They really need a good stretch against tough competition. They have by far the most difficult strength of schedule remaining in this division. Uh, the Braves and Phillies strength of schedule remaining is actually pretty easy, both of them. Uh, so they could both potentially end up winning, you know, a pretty good amount of games here down the stretch and, and really making it a dogfight here. But uh, it's been an interesting, interesting year. You look at the other two teams, the Marlins have some things to be happy about, but, you know, they have, they're not quite there yet, especially offensively. And the Nationals, um, you know, I guess the silver lining for them is some of that return that they got has, has really been impressive so far. I mean, Josiah Gray has pitched really well for them in, in his couple starts, so that's been an encouraging thing for them. Juan Soto, when he's been healthy, has looked looked like himself recently. So, um, you know, you, you lose, you traded Trey Turner, but you got two potential really really nice pieces for for Trey Turner. So uh, Josiah Gray's looked really good, and Kiber Ruiz has picked up where he left off at AAA for them. So. Uh, you know, you kind of look into the near future for them, and you've got some pieces there. Uh, although they they definitely have a lot more uh, a lot more picking up and rebuilding to do because their farm system outside of their two guys they got in that Turner trade is not very good. So, yeah, the, the, the Nationals are due for a full on reset and rebuild. I think. I mean, I know Mike Rizzo said that he's not a patient type guy and, and he hates losing, but you know, I I don't know with having Corbin on the books with having Strasburg on the books with having to the, the impending Juan Soto, you know, extension coming up pretty soon. Uh, I just don't know how much money you're going to be able to throw at this team to make it a really competitive team with such a weak farm system still. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, I, I think the future for the Washington Nationals for the next like four to five seasons is really, really bleak. But uh, anyways, let's move over to the, uh, to the NL Central now. Uh, you got Milwaukee leading this division, six games up on Cincinnati. Um, they've both kind of been playing just about even baseball with each other the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, and, and Cincinnati's six games back still. Yeah, so this is a really interesting division, in my opinion. Uh, the Brewers are the leaders here, but 
I feel like the Reds are maybe a better team. Uh, I like the Brewers pitching staff at the top of their rotation. Two guys, three guys who are really, really, really good. Um, and then their bullpen is, is solid outside of, although outside of, you know, Hayter and Devin Williams. And I mean, there's a little bit of a drop off with some of those guys, but uh, you know, I, I think the Brewers are really, really good uh, in their pitching, but their, their offense scares me. And the Reds have a, the Reds have a really good, really good offense. They've had great contributions from Castellanos, Jesse Winker, and then their two rookies at the top of their order tonight. I know they haven't; they're not always at the top of the order, but against lefties, Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India have both been fantastic this year. So the Reds are are a, are a team that you know if you can if they can figure out their bullpen, figure out a way to sequence it. They've got some pretty good pieces back there. Uh, Lucas Sims has been a nice piece for them. Uh, they just got to get a couple guys right. I mean, Amir Garrett has shown at times that he can be good. They just got to get him right. You know, they've got some pieces. They just they got to put it together in that bullpen. And uh, they could potentially chase the Brewers down. Uh, the Reds have the easiest strength of schedule remaining, I believe, in the big leagues, uh, you know, the rest of the season. It may be the second easiest, uh, but uh, they they have a very, very, very favorable schedule left to play. Um, you know, by winning percentage, that is. And they do have the easiest. I just looked it up. So they have the easiest schedule remaining um, out of any team. They And they have a team that I think can take advantage of that. While the Brewers, you know, I think there's going to be a time where they really struggle to score runs. They've had some guys really overperform this year. Omar Narvaez, Willie Adamas, who's probably been the best trade of the year, picking him up for a couple relievers because the Dom has been insanely good for them. Uh, and Christian Yellett struggling has been, has been rough for them. Uh, I mean, I, Visayel Garcia has been okay, but I really think that you look at a team in, in Milwaukee that, you know, with the way they struggle to score runs, I think the Reds could maybe chase them down but it's not going to be easy because of the deficit right now. And then you look at the rest of the division, the Cubs obviously sold, you know, I'll be shocked if they really win many more games at all. Uh, The Pirates have been horrible all year. Um, You know, there's not really too many silver linings for them, except maybe Brian Reynolds emergence a little bit. It's been good for them. But other than that, I mean, you know, they really haven't done much. Um, And then, you know, I think that the rest of this division is just the Cardinals are the Cardinals are stuck in mediocrity, so um, they're kind of mired in it. They really don't have a they're not horrible, but they're not really good enough. So they're gonna kind of I think they're gonna kind of end up around 500 at the end of the season. So uh, definitely uh, definitely interesting chase here. I think it's gonna be an, a more interesting division chase than a lot of people are kind of expecting right now. Yeah, and. You know, mentioning going back to kind of the Reds, how you were talking about, I had watched a couple of their games this weekend um, because I had selfishly in one of my fantasy leagues, I have a couple of the Red starters and I was trying to watch them and see how they would do. But like you said, a guy who would, I, I didn't realize the type of season he was having and then watching those couple games um, and seeing kind of the impact he was having. And that was Jonathan India. He's having a really good season. I mean, a, a 283 average but a 4 on 2 or 402 on base percentage and a 460 slugging. So, you know, you're looking at an 862 OPS which is well above average and then, you know, he he's, has eight steals but he 
66 runs at the top of that thing. He's even supplying a little bit of power at 13 homers. He's walking at a good clip. He's still probably striking out just a little bit too often, but that's going to happen. But he's having a, I mean, he was a former top prospect, but I didn't realize the type of season that Jonathan India was really having um, until watching those games this weekend. And I believe the one game where he really impressed me was in, on Joe Morgan Day. So that was on, I think, Sunday um, when they were honoring Joe Morgan. But, uh, and, and like you said, Stevenson as well, if he can get more of the share of that catching because they kind of been platooning him with Barnhart really um, because Barnhart's such, you know, such strong defensively, but Stevenson's really got a lot better at that because of Barnhart. Um, I think they were, they were saying he's made a massive improvement compared to what he had shown the end of last season to uh, so far this year. Um, So, and then Votto deciding he just wanted to turn back the clock and be like a 32 year old Joey Votto again, and not what he's been the past couple years Uh, has been really impressive. So, like you said, I, I do think the, the Reds are, are a better team than the Brewers. And, you know, outside of the top three in that rotation, I think that's kind of what's keeping the Brewers afloat right now. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. Uh, definitely an interesting, uh, definitely an interesting division right now. And uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of it. I, I think it's going to be interesting. And, and the Reds aren't totally out of the wild card, too. Uh, I think it's more likely that they win, the, that they are able to get that number two wild card than, than win the central. But you know, I'm not really sure about that. So um, I think they're currently kind of on pace for, they might be on, pay, on pace for being that top team that doesn't make the playoffs this year, but we'll see uh, what they are able to do rest of the season. But uh, we can move on now to the National League West, which uh, is a dogfight between the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres right now. Uh, all three teams are most likely to make the playoffs, but uh, you never know. The Padres missing if they're able, if they're missing uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. for too much, or you know he gets, he comes back and gets that nagging injury again or something, uh, this 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 is a team that could potentially fall back into the that that, that could be the team the Reds overtake. Yeah. So um, uh, as a Dodger fan, I absolutely hate this division right now because my gosh, it's so stressful all the time. I, I don't know how San Francisco just com- keeps finding a way to win. Like it's annoying. I think they were, there was a day like they were playing Milwaukee this past weekend. And I think Milwaukee had like a four, one lead going into the ninth one time. And like Brandon Bell hit a three run Homer and tied it. And then they won in extras. And then the next day they had two outs, two strikes and the Brewers were leading by one. They hit a fly ball to like the warning track. And then Avisail Garcia like misreads the ball and drops it. And then the Giants win again, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, but their pitching has really started to kind of struggle some. I mean, Gossman hasn't been the same. Di Sclafani, I think, went on the IL now. I mean, Logan Webb has kind of been their most consistent starter all year, and that's saying something. I mean, he's actually been really, really good um, so far. You know, they did make the trade for Chris Bryant, um, and, and I think they only have three games left against the Dodgers this the rest of the season i don't know what they have against the padres but they're just finding some way to win it kind of feels like one of those you know early 2010s kind of even year magic years for the giants how they're just finding a way even though nobody really thought they should be able to um and then you look at the dodgers who they've been battling with injuries all year um bellinger really struggling he hasn't he's kind of looked better as of late i think he has like a six game hitting streak now um, Mookie Betts has been hurt with the hip. He's back 
It sounds like he's going to go back on the IL probably tomorrow. Um, Justin Turner's now out with some groin injury that he's supposed to miss at least this week and maybe the weekend um, and possibly an IL if, if it doesn't get better over the time, that time. Um, Kershaw's now on the IL and he's not coming back until September. So it, this team is just, it's a team that's really battled with injuries all year long, and I know a bunch of people have, um, but they've had a lot of their impact guys out. You know, Corey Seager was even out for a, a big chunk of the season, trading for Trey Turner, trading for Max Scherzer. It's kind of the spark the team needs a little bit. They've started playing a little bit better baseball. You know, they're playing the Phillies this weekend and the Mets, or the Phillies right now this week and the Mets this weekend. So it's a couple big series coming up for them. But the big thing with the Dodgers and even the Padres, you know, jump back to them and they're seven games back in the division, but they play each other nine times down the stretch. So we're getting nine Dodgers Padres games down the stretch this year. And that is going to really, if they start beating up on each other, that's going to allow the giants to pull away even more because I think the giants schedule, I know a big chunk of it. They play like Arizona and Colorado still. Um, so it, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a dogfight in this division. It does actually sound like Tatis is trying to make a return as a center fielder or somewhere in the outfield. And he's actually back to hitting on the field. Um, I saw yesterday he had hit off a pitching machine. It wasn't live pitching, but, uh, and that he's actually been training in the outfield and they're just thinking about leaving Cronenworth at shortstop and allowing Tatis to not have to worry about, you know, reaching down and making diving plays in the infield for, uh, for that shoulder and just allow him to hit a little bit and so he can get to the off season and get the surgery. Yeah. So, I mean, on the Fernando Tatis Jr. situation, I've talked all year about how I think if, if he's at risk of continuing to re-injure that shoulder, I would get it done. He's a young player. They've made a long-term investment in him and there are seven games out of first place in this division. They're not going to win this division because I don't think they're going to pass the Dodgers. If anybody wins the division other than the Giants, it'll be the Dodgers, in my opinion. And you're going to ride your young superstars' future on a one-game wild card game, which in which you'll probably end up having to play for you know a five-game series against the Dodgers, anyways. After that, I, I really think that's a poor decision. Uh, you know, I, I would get the surgery recover and be ready for next year if I was Tatis Jr. Or, or if I was the Padres. Obviously, if I was Tatis Jr., he wants to play. He hates being on the sideline watching his team, you know, his team play. And he wants to play. And I get that. And I think, you know, if I was in his shoes, I'd be the same way. But if you're the P Padres, I think you've got to get him to get that surgery because you don't want to have a guy – injured at his talent level and, and make that some kind of long-term injury. So, you know, I think that's definitely something to look at there, but uh, you look at the top two teams and I mean, the giants, I, I, like I said, I have no idea how they've hung on to the division lead. I mean, I'll be very surprised if the, I'll, I'll still be, I will still be surprised if the pot, if the Dodgers don't catch them. But I mean, either way, like it's pretty insane that they've been as good as they have been all year and uh look at the dodgers i mean it's just been a little bit of everything for them with injury wise and um uh, you know they've got a tough portion of their schedule coming up with a couple of teams that are you know battling for playoff spots but uh you know i look at them as a team that i mean i i expect them to go on a run you know at some point to win six eight games in a row that puts them over the top here but um yeah and you know you 
I was going to say, and one thing with the Dodgers that you're talking about, and I just know this because it's obviously my team and that, but if, and most people, an average fan probably wouldn't know it, but this team has been historically bad in extra inning games. So they are yeah. one and 12. That is like the worst record ever in major league history in, in extra inning games. Um, so if anybody's more of a proponent of getting rid of this extra innings format than me, I would like to talk <laughs> to you, but, uh, that that's one thing that I think that's kind of helped the Giants stay in this division a little bit because you know if, even if the the Dodgers are five hundred in that if you you know you add five more wins then you're looking at you're right there you know yeah. half game or or game back. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It, it's a very interesting thing to look at because uh, some of it might be sequencing, just dumb luck. Uh, some of it might be you know the Dodgers. Dave Roberts has been known to use his top relievers in high leverage situations earlier in games at times, like guys like Blake China, maybe um, they haven't been the most, um, the, the, the Dodgers haven't been the most deep bullpen this year. Um, they've had some good performances out of their bullpen, but they haven't been super deep. They've relied on a lot of really young guys out of that pin. Uh, and that might have something to do with it. You know, once you get past the Kenley Jansen ninth inning, 10th inning, maybe even, you end up with a lot of guys like Clev Clevenger. You end up with Victor Gonzalez. You end up with some of these guys that maybe aren't quite as, at least this seasoned as some of the veteran players. Maybe they get a little excited and, have, and struggle in those close games in, in the in the crucial situations. So I mean, it's one of those things. And uh, I mean, and, and anytime you go one and twelve and something as random as extra innings, it's especially with the new rules. It's one of those things that it's like there's just no. You know, it's just bad luck at, at, at a yeah. certain level too. And then you look at, but, but I mean, you look at them and they're still. I mean, they're four games out. I know they're four games out. And there's not that many games left to play. But like I say, I think the Dodgers at some point in the next month are going to go on a run where they win six or eight games in a row. They're just too good not to. And you know, they'll probably end up winning this division. I do think the Giants hang on to the wild card. They've just got such a big lead on it right now. I would consider the Giants, you know, I've said it all year, I think they're about a 500 to a little bit above 500 talent level that has overperformed. So if you put put on there 500, you know, they win, they win 25 more games or so. I mean, that's putting them at 95, 96 wins. So they'll probably hang on to the wild card. Uh, it would take a collapse for them not to. I think the only team in danger of missing the playoffs here is the Padres, just because they're only a few games ahead of the Reds. Uh, and... I mean, you're missing Tatis Jr. You don't know if he's going to be back. And if he does, how effective is he going to be? And, you know, is he going to adjust well to play in a different position if that ends up being the outcome? So, you know, that's your star player. And, well, and then even, you've got some other good players too, but, you know, that's your star player. So Even Darvish has started to struggle a little bit. I think Musgrove maybe has too. Uh, let me look that up for yeah, sure. Musgrove, Musgrove has still been really no, good. No, he's been really good. But he's um, not quite – I don't think he's quite on the pace he was on at the very beginning of the season, but he's still been really good. Still had like a two-and-a-half ERA. Yeah. A guy that they really need to get going is Blake Snell. Um, yeah. He had a fantastic start against the Diamondbacks the other day. I think he had like went seven innings, 13 strikeouts. He got something like 28 swings and misses or something, which is just like insane in amount. Um, they, they really need him to step up. But Darvish is another guy who has not – been what you Darvish was at the beginning of the season. He's really started to struggle. I mean, you look at the past month, he's a 494 ERA over the past month. Um, you know, his whip is still in a decent line with his, his season average, you know, at, at 0.97, which is still really good. But 
it, he's just finding a way to give up runs somehow. Yeah. Um, and maybe that is some, you know, some of the luck type stuff. But if, I mean, I would imagine that Darvish is the one guy in a playoff game that you're going to run out. Um, you know, and it, say it is a Dodgers, Dodgers Padres game, you're going to be facing most likely, I would say it might be Walker Bueller, but or it's Max Scherzer. So you yeah. know you're going to have to be on your game at that point. Yeah. So definitely interesting stuff here. Uh, you're looking at the the playoff odds here for this division. The Dodgers and Giants are both over 98%. But the Padres are down to 75%. A lot of people kind of thinking of them as a virtual lock. I think they're still going to make it, but I don't. I wouldn't consider them a virtual lock anymore because uh, you do have the Reds there. Um, so... You know, the Reds have an easy schedule remaining. The Padres actually have the most difficult streak to schedule remaining in the, I believe, in the majors, or in the, at least in the National League. So, um, oh, not the most difficult in the, the majors. It is the most difficult in the National League. Oh. So, uh, they got a 524 uh, winning percentage of the teams they have remaining to play. Uh, the Dodgers actually have the easiest streak to schedule remaining in this division. So, you look at that, and the other two teams in the division, the, the Diamondbacks are probably the worst team in baseball um you know look for them to get that number one pick next year and the rockies are i mean i don't even know what to think of them they at times you think of them as just being a disaster because of the way they've been run over the past year but you know record wise 51 and 61 probably a little bit better than i would have expected from them maybe they've had some good performances from certain guys so Maybe not a total disaster on the field this year compared to what you expected, but they're still not good. Um, last time I checked, they had like the most dramatic home road splits on, uh, you know, on wins and losses that I've ever seen. But yeah. uh, I think they had, were like ten games above five hundred at home and like twenty games under five hundred on the road. Or so something. they they so. are thirty eight and twenty one at home. Yeah. So they're seventeen above, and you're thirteen and forty on the road. Yeah. So. Obviously, the Rockies have some Coors Field stuff going on this year, um, so that's been a that's been a thing. So, um, anyways, it's been a it's been a wild season um, in the NOS. So it, it's it's been entertaining to talk about. Uh, unfortunately for me, being on the East Coast, a lot of these games are only late at night, so I might be losing some sleep here pretty soon. Uh, you know, once we get down, I don't know if it's quite time to lose sleep over these games yet, being you know early August. But you know, by the time about a month from now, if it's still like this, I'll be losing a little bit of sleep, which is probably not a good thing. But um, try to stay up to watch some of these games. But uh, definitely some interesting stuff. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting pennant races we've had in the last several years. There's really hadn't been too many good pennant races the last several years. You've, you had a couple years ago where. You know, you had the ties for the wild card uh, at the end of the season, and and the, you had a few play-in game 163 situations. Uh, but I think this this pennant race is going to be really good. I think you've got all three National League divisions are, are not really sewed up all the way, and then two of the American League divisions aren't completely sewed up, and then the wild card races are pretty pretty crazy right now on both sides. So uh, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm really excited to see the end of it. Uh, It'll be uh it'll be an entertaining last couple months, but uh you know before I know we're running a little bit long here, but before we uh before we go, I, we do want to do our players of the week here. So uh, Damien, uh, for your hitter of the week, who do you have? Yeah, so instead of or doing month. hitter of yeah hitter of the week, we're gonna go with players of the month because we haven't done it since the beginning of July really. 
Um, so my player of the month, I'm going to go with is Juan Soto for my hitter. Um, just absolutely insane this month. 356, a 510 on base percentage. He's getting on base 51% of the time. So over half the time he steps up to the place plate, he's getting on base. You're looking at a 699 slugging percentage, you know, a, a weighted runs created this month of a 211, a 1.6 war. I mean, this is, we knew Juan Soto was good, but this is even over what we thought Juan Soto level type was. Um, and he's still so young. He could probably get so much better even. Uh, so definitely uh, my hitter of this month is uh, Juan Soto. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a good pick. And, um, you know, speaking of Juan Soto, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him over the next couple of years because he's going to be a really good player on a really bad team for the next three or four years. So uh, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, maybe the Nationals will get moving him at some point if, the, if he doesn't fit their timeline anymore. So I don't know if they have the money to re-sign him, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, you don't want to end up in a Mike Trout situation where you've got a top five player or, you know, Mike Trout obviously being the best, but Juan Soto being a top five player, you know, future in, in, in the big leagues and being stuck on a horrible team. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but um, I think uh, my hitter of the week is uh, going to be Joey Votto uh, or of the month. It's going to be Joey Votto. He has been really good. Uh, a 330 average, a 413 on base, uh, and a 784 slugging percentage. He's hit 12 home runs over the past 23 games, uh, which is in the past 30 days. A 201 WRC plus, 1.5 wins above replacement. Um, you know, he's looked like Joey Votto from three or four years ago. He's been insane. Um, and you, you love to see that because Joey Votto is a guy who is really fun as a player to watch. He's, he's really, really, he's always been such a good player. And, you know, his fall off has been so dramatic over his career, the end of his career, that you were, you know, it, it's nice to see him kind of figure it out again and start to uh, start to hit the ball really well. So um, hopefully he's able to keep that up through the through the rest of the season. It'll be really entertaining if he does. So, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it just seems like Fado decided that he thought it was 20, like 13 again, all of a sudden instead of 2021 and just. When eight, I think it was what eight straight games with a homer or seven straight games with a homer or something, and then the the streak when it did get broken, it got broken by a ball that hit like two feet from the top of the wall or something. It was it was insane um, yeah. on that streak. But who's your who's your pitcher of this of the month? So my pitcher of the month, um, I had a I had a tough time deciding on who it was gonna be. There were a few really deserving guys. I thought Robbie Ray was pretty deserving. I thought Max Fried was pretty deserving. Uh, you know, and then there's a couple other guys that I think are have had really good months. But the guy I ended up going with, hey, I, I just I was just looking at the list again. How about Matt Harvey this month? Yeah, he has a 081 ERA this month, and that's that's pretty hard to believe. But uh, the guy I did pick was uh, Zach Wheeler. Uh, he has been, you know, he, he's been a Cy Young candidate all year. He's had a sub three FIP, sub three X FIP, and sub three ERA over the past month. Uh, you know, nine strikeouts per nine, under two walks per nine. Um, you know, good ground ball rate at 52%. Uh, his fastball has been one of the best in the big leagues all year. It's sat at 97, uh, you know, over the past month. So just kind of his typical uh, fastball, uh, you know, not quite DeGrom-like, but, you know, 97 is probably it's definitely, you know, usually top five. Um, he's been so good, and, and he's, he's – it's a fun, it's a good story after the, all the injuries he dealt with in New York. 
uh, for him to come back and pitch so well. And he's probably the front runner with the Grom missing so much time to be the Cy Young Award winner in the National League. I mean, you, you could maybe make an argument for a couple other guys. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff have to be considered up there, uh, especially Burns. Uh, and you look at maybe, uh, you know, Walker Buehler has been really good in, in the in the National League. But, uh, I mean, I, these guys have all been they've been so good. And uh, But Zach Wheeler, I mean, 156 innings already on the season. Um, you know, I think he's going to end up, uh, you know, eclipsing 200 innings. Uh, you know, he's really carried the Phillies through a shutout uh, against the Mets the other night and on the Roy Halladay Jersey retirement day uh, for the Phillies. That was pretty cool. So uh, Zach Wheeler is going to get my vote here for player of the month or pitcher of the month in the, in the, uh, in the big leagues. So, Well, you mentioned my, uh, my starting pitcher already uh, for this month, and that is going to be Walker Bueller. There might be a little bit of a Dodger bias in here, um, but he's also a guy who I think it, it's I, with the ground being out. I think it's between Bueller and we, Zach Wheeler right now for the Cy Young. Bueller's had a fantastic season. Um, he's kind of learned how to not blow people away as much with you know the high fastball at 97, 98, 99. He's kind of pitched a little bit more. Um, all, you know, you look at his his past month: a 135 ERA, a 197 FIP. The ex FIP is is 3.41, but he had the highest WAR of anybody this month at a 1.5. You know, he's still striking people out at a good clip. I mean, over the past month, still a 10 Ks per nine, which is still really good. He does lose command at times, and you know has 3.24 walks per nine um, over his past 33 innings, but. He's been really fantastic. I think he's leading the league. Maybe, uh, maybe Wheeler took that over, but he has a two thirteen ERA. I think he's still leading the league in that right now. Um, you know, he's going to cross over the two hundred innings mark for the first time in his career. Um, he's at one forty seven right now, and I mean Max Scherzer coming in might take some of the to the maybe the votes away from him, but. Bueller's been far and away the most consistent on this Dodger staff. He doesn't have as many strikeouts as as Wheeler, but. I think Bueller has just as good a shot as, as Zach Wheeler for the Cy Young. And uh, this past month has been, I think, by far his the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I, I can't argue with you, Bueller. I mean, the only real number that kind of is a little high is his walks. For, for, a, for a guy who's a legit ace, I mean, 3.2 walks per nine is not bad. But for a guy who's a legit ace, you might want to see that come down a little bit. But striking guys out. I mean, hadn't given up a home run in the last 30 days. That's five starts, 33 innings pitched. He hadn't given up a home run. Um, that's probably why his XFIP is a little bit inflated because of that zero home run per fly ball rate. But, you know, he, he's also a guy that pitches up in the zone, like you say, with that fastball a lot, you know, gets a lot of pop-ups and stuff too. So he's going to have a low home run per fly ball rate because of, you know, the, the weak contact fly balls, like pop-ups on the infield and, uh, you know, weak, weakly hit fly balls on those pitches that are up and out of the zone. Um, you know, he's not really a ground ball pitcher, although, you know, 45% is not bad for a ground ball rate. So uh, definitely uh, definitely a good month for Walker Bueller. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who he's one of the top pitchers in baseball and um, has been for the last couple of years. And he's just kind of keeping it going and kind of under the radar. Not a lot of people talking about Walker Bueller. Everyone's talking about when it comes to the Dodgers rotation, talking about the acquisition of Max Scherzer and everyone around the league's talking about Zach Wheeler because, you know, he's having this breakout type year. Everyone's talking about, you know, 
uh, Woodruff and Burns from 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 uh, from Milwaukee because both of those guys are well we've been talking about them for about two years now yeah uh, both both of those guys are to the national media and the to the national perspective are kind of new to that to that level so uh, definitely interesting stuff um, I like what what's going on uh, you know with these guys and I think they'll I think they're guys that are going to sustain this to a certain level you got some guys on this list that. That have been the top pitchers over the last couple months that you know over the last month or so that you know i don't know if frankie montas is going to sustain his his pitching that he's done and he's been really good you know a guy like maybe uh you know merrill kelly's been so good i don't think he's going to sustain that but i think walker bueller zach wheeler you know the, the two guys from milwaukee i think they're sustainable at the, at the level that they're at right now which is very very impressive to watch so uh definitely some good stuff there um I, uh, I've been uh, very impressed, uh, and, you know, we'll see. I think those are some – those are also guys on some pretty dang good teams that are in pennant races, so they could very easily be a difference makers in, you know, coming into the end of the season. But uh, one more thing just, you know, before we let you go here, uh, talk about a couple big series to watch this week. Uh, you know, we kind of hinted to a couple of them in the – during our breakdowns, but the Dodgers-Phillies for three games – uh, you know, starting tonight. Um, and then uh, that, that's a big one with the Phillies in first place, Dodgers in second place, Braves, Reds, Phillies play the Reds this weekend. The Mets play the Dodgers this weekend. And the Rays are playing the Red Sox right now. And the Red Sox have actually blown tonight a four to one lead. The Rays now lead seven to four with three runs in the ninth. So uh, that's a big game right there. The Rays about to go five games up in the division. Um, so definitely some interesting stuff. Um, you know, you look at going forward, uh, you know, it's going to be that time of year where some of these game series between two really good teams are going to be super important coming into the end of the season. So, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of like to highlight a few of these big time, big time series. And uh, it's going to be some fun stuff to watch, obviously, with fans and stands this year. A lot of a lot of intensity uh, in these late season games and a lot of good crowds. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really fun finish to the season. So uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, so am I, and uh, you know, we hope that maybe we can make this series of the week type deal, um, you know, going forward the through this potential the run down to the end of the season, and uh, maybe dive a little bit deeper into those series and, and kind of give you guys some background behind it. But we've already went on for way too long on this episode. We wanted to keep it under an hour, and we're already pushing an hour and fourteen. But uh, uh, definitely, I mean, it's been a while since we did a breakdown, and I, it was I think it was necessary. So. Yeah. But uh, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.